You think you know me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today joining me on the show is none other than my brother, Nick Brown. Nick, how you doing? Uh, doing fantastic tonight. Uh, just played some Fortnite, got a Vic Roy, two eliminations, four assists, so uh, I'm living, I'm, I'm on an adrenaline rush right now, if you can't mm. tell. Yes, you're on a huge adrenaline rush. You're a big team player, dishing out more assists. Congrats. Yeah, um, hero, some are saying. But yeah, go ahead. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, Dan could not make it for Ryan's wrestling recap today. Sadly, so fraud. We will dearly, dearly miss him. But the show must go on. We have quite a bit of wrestling to talk on the show here. We've, we're a couple of weeks removed from... WWE's WrestleMania Backlash pay-per-view. AEW's Double or Nothing just went down this past weekend. And we've got some news about outside of the pay-per-view realm and some upcoming shows that we also want to talk about. So let's dive right into it. We'll start with WrestleMania Backlash. It was, I, I would say, a good show. Not a great show, but a good show. There was a clunker or two here or there. For in terms of matches, and we'll get into that. But I thought, as a whole, the majority of the matches were pretty good. Nothing like that wowed me, but pretty good overall. Uh, in particular, I would say the two matches that I enjoyed the most were the two triple threat matches. There was a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship with Rhea Ripley defending against Asuka and Charlotte Flair. And then there was a WWE Championship triple threat with Bobby Lashley, the almighty WWE champion, defending against both Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Uh, those two matches definitely stood out to me a little bit more than the rest. Uh, but Nick, what what matches stood out to you the most on this card? Um, I think the first thing that I noted, just to shake things up, um, I enjoyed the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match between uh, Dominic and Rey Mysterio and Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler were the champions at the time. Um, you know, it's a real shame that you get tag team wrestling so just overlooked and underutilized in this company. Uh, I think they were so much better off having one title belt instead of one for each show, for being honest. But they clearly just ha have no interest in investing anything into this, uh, into this tag team division at all. But this match was solved. The emotions were certainly there. Uh, Ziggler and Rude are fantastic heels. I'm a Dolph Ziggler stan, so I am probably biased. But I think these two are great together. If, they were, if these were in-person, like live attendance shows, I think they'd be so much more over than they are right now. It's just tough to tell, obviously, with the audience and the pumped-in crowd stuff. But I thought this match was really cool, and it was really uh, even cooler to see Rey Mysterio and Dominic win the titles um, on this night. And other than that, I also really enjoyed uh, Bailey and Bianca Belair. I mean, Bianca has been on fire ever since uh, she got called up, so um, pretty much expected a pretty solid match out of her. Bailey, somebody who's never really going to put up, you know, a bad effort into a match, so kind of was a. Uh, what you would expect um other than that like i said um 
not not a bad show not a good not like an amazing show i mean it's just that's been the formula as of late and i don't think i don't really think there's that much else they can do right now um with the thunderdome and like the zoom crowd uh unless they go crazy with gimmicks and we can talk about that lumberjack match for a sec but um Unless they go crazy, unless they go crazy with like gimmick matches and stuff, I feel like the ceiling isn't very high for them right now. Uh, So hopefully when they get back into having fans actually attend shows, like we were just talking before the show in July and Tropicana and stuff, um, hopefully, you know, just the atmosphere gets better because you sit down and watch his matches and you watch the shows uh, every week. And it's just, uh, well, first of all, I can't even do it anymore. You know, and it's just got to a point and we've said this so many times. It's just, it's, it feels very repetitive and just kind of dull at times. So, you know, the, the, the wrestlers are in there working their asses off and they're putting on solid matches. It's just like, they're missing a little X factor. And I think it's just the crowd. So, I mean, listen, they did great tonight, or not tonight. They did great for this night and WrestleMania Backlash, however long ago it was. And uh, they just got to keep grinding out. They're so close to getting back to normalcy or somewhat of normalcy. So, you know, um, really enjoyed those two matches. And, you know, like you said, decent show. So a couple things to unpack there. The Mysterios winning the tag team titles. They became the first father-son duo in WWE history to win championship gold together. So that was a really cool moment for them. They also got the second most match time uh, clocking in at 17 minutes and two seconds. Only the main event got more time. So that was nice to see. I know you're very much correct in saying the tag team division gets overlooked, but at least here they got a spotlight to show what two of the better teams in the company could do. Um, and yeah, even in a match where Bianca and Bailey, you know, Bianca's not dropping the title. They still made it interesting. They still made it worth the watch and keep, kept me interested throughout the course of the match. And that's all you can ask when you're pretty certain that you know the outcome of the match. They have to make it, you invest in the match. And I think for the most part, this card did that. Uh, now, you brought up the lumberjack match between Damian Priest and the Miz. And this is, this is just uh, what you call an embarrassment. This is what you just wish you had never seen. This is what you wish that when you're watching a show, a wrestling show, you hope that one of your friends that isn't a wrestling friend doesn't walk in and see you watching because this, this just sucked. That's a one-way ticket to just getting shit on. Exactly. It's it's an embarrassment. Obviously, they did it just for the money, the advertisement to promote Batista's new movie. Uh, Army uh, of side the Dead. note, did you see that movie? I did not. Is it worth a I, watch? I, I watched it. It's a little dark at times, but watch, I'd say. I mean, I'm not a very hard guy to please. Action, <laughs> guns, explosions, you know. That ordeal, good enough for me. Um, if you're a kind of a stickler of movies, probably wouldn't watch it. Um, you probably will hate it. But I think you would, you know, late at night, need something to fill your time before bed, yeah, do it. 
I anyway, continue. Uh, this match sucked. Yes, this match did suck. It was an embarrassment from the start. And uh, thank God it got the least amount of time of any match on the card. Because if it had gotten any more of the seven minutes it got, I mean, realistically, it was seven minutes more than it should have gotten. But what are you going to do? Um, but I do want to talk about the main event a little bit here before we fin- move on here. Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against Cesaro. Cesaro getting his first one-on-one championship match of his. Oh, I've got a hot. I've got a hot take about Roman Reigns for once you finish. Mm-hmm. And the match felt like one of those old-school, like Batista versus Undertaker, like big. It had that big-time feel where every the pace was just so slow and deliberate. Everything that was everything that was done was had a a very specific purpose to it uh it was a very very psychological match so to speak and i was at first i was like man i don't know if i'm really here for this like but you know it it for what it was it was good i can't hate on it but my issue with it came post-match um and i'll get that to that in just a moment but Let's let's hear what what do you got a hot take on Roman Reigns? Let's let's get to that. Okay, uh, my hot take about Roman Reigns is, and you'd think in most situations it probably would be possible. I think the booking and right and the writers creative at WWE have made Roman Reigns too good, like too good, to the point where. The, there's no more unpredictability. Every match, I don't care if it's a title match or any other match, I just assume he's going to win. Um, so, so that I, what? Go ahead. So what's it going to take to, because I, I, I feel like this is, you can kind of, this probably started for you after you saw what Roman Reigns did in the main event of WrestleMania. When he pit, he stacked Edge and Daniel Bryan one over the other and pin both of their shoulders simultaneously in a triple threat to retain the title. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. I think, I think I was probably getting inklings of this feeling beforehand because he was still so dominant beforehand. Um, But I think that probably put it over the edge and maybe I just didn't think about it enough until now. And, you know, I popped it in my head, like, wow, like this guy is never going to lose. And the thing is, I can't blame him. He shouldn't lose. Uh, but the only thing that I uh, dislike is, like I said, there's no surprise anymore. But it, I guess when he does lose, it'll be a big surprise. So that's cool to look forward to, I guess. Um, but it just kind of sucks for somebody like Cesaro, who is so deserving of like a big title run, like a Kofi Kingston X kind of run. He's worked so hard. He's, he's wrestled in so many different like levels of the card and stuff. It just kind of sucks that he's got to go up against a guy who just has no business losing because of how good he is right now mm-hmm. um so i was kind of conflicted battling that the whole time and like i said the match was slow you know that didn't exactly i didn't love that either you know i'm a fast-paced match kind of guy um but you know at the end of the day um i i can't complain with roman reigns right now um he's doing some of the best work in the in the uh, whole scene, whole wrestling scene right now. So um, that's it. That's all I got. 
that and I I want to go back to what you're saying about the Cesaro deserving a championship run at at the top because he does. Mm-hmm. He's he's definitely shown that he's worthy, capable, and deserving. But like he said, you got he ran, he went up against the world champion that is just untouchable right now in Roman Reigns, and the only other world title that he really has a shot at would be Bobby Lashley. And Bobby Lashley is having more or less his Kofi Kingston run. This is his first WWE championship run. And they don't want to cut that short either just yet. We thought maybe there was a decent chance of that happening at WrestleMania with Drew McIntyre getting his WrestleMania moment after having it stolen by him from COVID. No, they stuck with Lashley. So I don't see Lashley losing anytime soon either he's probably going to hold the title to at least SummerSlam, if not longer so you're looking at a, a pair of title reigns that are going to be around for the foreseeable future and the so what you really need is like capable contenders and what i mean by that is even if you don't think the champion is going to lose they are so such a believable candidate to actually beat the champion that they can make you believe mid-match like oh my god they're actually gonna the champ is actually gonna lose here and unfortunately for cesaro he's just because he's never been a world champion you just don't get that sense from him i agree so we'll we'll wrap that up there i i, I would say it was a, a b plus show good not great. I think if it had fans there, like the next show that we're about to talk about, that could have been a difference maker. But what are you going to do? So mm-hmm. that was WrestleMania Backlash. Let's talk about AEW Double or Nothing. So Double or Nothing went down this past Sunday as we record here on Tuesday, July or Wednesday. Uh, I was just going to say it is Wednesday. Yeah, it's it's not even July, so this is this is tough. This is July. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, we really watched that date. I I was going for July second. I was just fast forwarding to my birthday. Yeah, blame me. Can you blame me? Excited about big twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah, clearly. But AW double or nothing, really good show, top to bottom. The even the pre the the pre show match, the buy in match with Serena Deeb defending her NWA Women's world championship against Riho was really good. If you didn't watch that, I actually recommend you go back and watch that. That is worth 14 minutes of your time. Was but it better the, than the, the championship match? Uh, I would say in-ring work, probably. Um, yeah, I, and uh, I don't know if you wanted to go in a specific order, but like, uh, I, I, I would love to talk about that women's championship match. Um, yes, go ahead. Get us going. <laughs> Yeah, so another thing similar to the Roman Reigns uh, take that I just it just popped into my head after watching that. I think, and and, and I, maybe it's just me, but maybe there's also another uh, you know a portion of the audience that feels similarly. I think Ikarashita is overrated, and she's she's just not ready to be like an elite championship type of wrestler yet. Like as far as her in ring work. And I'm thinking about it more and more, like all of her past championship matches. And I'm like, it, it just has every match at some point just gets sloppy at some point with something like whether they try to go go for a big move or something. And it just doesn't it, it just it feels it doesn't feel smooth. And coming into this, 
I was so excited to actually see this match. It was one of the one of the matches I was I was more excited. I, I was more excited to see this match actually than really Kenny Omega's match, and that's that's saying a lot. In my wow. I love Kenny. Um, I just figured Orange Cassie and, and the bastard that I, I expected that what happened to literally happen. So I mean, regardless, uh, Britt was getting a huge build up, and I was like, this is the big night for her. Like this is the this is gonna be huge. Like she's definitely gonna win. And she won, and I was sick. But God, I guess I gotta just stop getting myself so amped up and excited for like certain matches because then they just never like they never meet my expectations. I guess because this I, I I wanted more, and I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I know they can't do what Britt and Thunder Rosa did in their no DQ match, which was one of the best women's matches of the entire like quarantine COVID year, um, in any uh, promotion. But um, I just wanted – I wanted more. And I'm like, I don't think it's Britt. Like, Britt usually is so good and so smooth in the ring with everything she does and all her holds and stuff like that. I, I, I started thinking about it. I was like, I think the common denominator has – and it's always – has always been Sheeta. And it's unfortunate, but I think there's just more work she needs to do. Um, and the experience is good. But I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, Britt should have had this title way earlier than having to wait 372 days uh, of a Hikaru Shida run. Um, so I was, I was a little sad about that. But regardless, I'm happy she won. And I, I'm excited to see uh, who's next. Mm. Now, I mean, Shida's not she's, – she's kind of in her prime. She's in her low 30s. Like, she's been in this business for quite some time. And – what you see is what you're going to get. And I think she's good, but I'm, I, I'll give you that. She, she can't, she's not great. Like there are definitely some things that could be better. I will say, I don't, I think she was worthy of being AEW women's world champion, but for a year, I don't know about that. So, uh, just, just a smidge, little smidge too long for me. Yeah. I feel like the rain was so long to where, you got the build up to this match and it was just overwhelming. Oh, this is, this is absolutely Britt Baker DM. This is her moment. Coronation. This is absolutely her moment. And, and luckily the match didn't take away from that. Even though you knew this was absolutely going to be Britt Baker's moment. They still put on a solid match and the fans were super invested into Britt Baker in this one. And you just love to see that. And so good for Britt. I wanted her to celebrate a little more. She didn't showboat that much. No, she, but she did get her hug with Tony Schiavone, which was which was great after she sh- shat on How Tony Schiavone all of like the last year. <laughs> so that that was nice. Um, but there were plenty of other great moments across the show as well. I mean, the first match of of the pay per view, Adam Page taking on the FTW World Champion Brian Cage one-on-one and just the roar of the crowd from the get-go from start to finish not only in in the opening match but from start to finish of this card was awesome and it was on full display in this opener page and cage brought it and we got 12 minutes of just non-stop action and great match to open the show yes i think they picked the right match to get it open to open the show page is so over with the fans and this was a easy quick reminder of that 
And I think he's definitely got plans to, how do I want to say this? Usurp uh, Kenny Omega for that championship some point down the road. He, he's got a revenge match coming. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, I wonder how long they're going to wait to really start booking uh, Hangman in a, in a feud against Kenny in the world title picture because I feel like they've been holding off on it for a little while now. You know? Yeah, with the pandemic, I don't think they wanted to rush into it. Uh, <clears> so the sure. question then becomes, like you said, when do they want to pull the trigger on it? And I think it depends on how many belts they want Kenny Omega to win first. Because he's currently the AEW world champion after he retained in his world title defense against Orange Cassidy and the Bastard Pack, like you said. And he's also the Impact slash TNA world champion. Oh, and he's also the AAA world champion down in Mexico. I mean, there are very much, I mean, and he might not be done. He could go elsewhere and win more. Who knows? But um, I, realistically, I don't know how many more belts he could win unless I, I don't know. Um, what's his face? Um, I cannot believe I'm blanking on his real name. Uh, I, I think it's it's Nick something. What's Magnus's real name? Oh, Nick Aldis. You're thinking of Nick the NWA Aldis. world champion. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got the NWA women's champion wrestling all over AEW at this point, um, like constantly. Uh, so maybe they bring the NWA belt, you know, into the company, not like permanently, but the same way that they do like the other brands. Um, I doubt Ring of Honor will get involved and be able to be an option for another belt for Kenny. And then uh, and we'll get into the New Japan stuff later, but I don't know how many more belts realistically there are for him to get. Yeah, the, the New Japan one is the obvious elephant in the room. Omega being a former IWGP heavyweight champion over in his time during New Japan. Uh, so that's kind of the, ooh, does he go after the belt that he he won once before? Does he go back to New Japan to try and conquer the mountain again? That one, I think it'd be more, more likely for him to go after Mox for the U.S. title belt. Yeah. But, like, that would be super weird for, like, uh, AEW's Kenny Omega versus AEW's John Moxley for NJPW's US IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, and it's that's not on an AEW show, like you know. Yeah, what I mean? and it's not a world title, so I don't think Kenny would be interested in it. And I think that's his, all true, true. And his Moxley feud, I think, is in the rearview mirror too. So I don't, I don't really see that one playing out. Right. Um, but there were, like I was saying. Um, there were a lot of good moments in this mat, uh, on this card. You had Jungle Boy uh, eliminating Christian Cage with the final two men in the Casino Battle Royal to earn himself a future AEW World Championship match. And that'll take place uh, a week from Friday, I believe, on AEW Dynamite. And then uh, you had Sting have his first in-ring live performance match tag teaming up with Darby Allen to face Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky and he looked spry I'm not saying he looked like a high flying Darby Allen throwing his body around all over the place but for what he did he looked good I mean don't sugarcoat it he looked great yeah like he 
he took a suplex on the the ramp entrance ramp and that's that's no that's not a fun bump to take and he he jumped right back up hit a clothesline and then jumped off the stack of poker chips down for a double clothesline and i was like man i think he's back I mean, he's, he's had so much time to get himself healthy. So I, I think the man is back for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't yeah. need to do anything crazy, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Now, what would you say, Nick, was your favorite match of the pay-per-view? Oh, boy. Hmm. That, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm blanking on it, but, I mean, I – I'm going to go with the stadium stampede. I think it's a little close for me, um, but I really thought um, the the moment with Jericho and MJF and Urban Meyer was <laughs> just it, it, it's it was too good. It was too good for me. Just, Urban Meyer was just watching Bedlam go down, and he's just like, "Holy shit!" After like he gets just tossed <laughs> over like the railing, and, uh, that. That was that was really good, um, and you know they've done such a good job with uh, all the stadium stampede matches uh, in the first place, like all the ones that they've ever done, anyways. Um, yeah, all two of them. So I mean, um, and you know, I'm thinking about it now, and I think I I honestly was really excited to see Miro go at Lance Archer, but they didn't get enough time. In my opinion, I want and we'll go into that more, but if they had got more time, maybe I would have picked that, but the stadium stampede was just too fun. Uh, and I, I love like these, the cinematic, like when they, when they went to Sean Spears and he's just sitting in like an, uh, in this area of the arena and they had this like purple, like weird light in the background and it's just filled with chairs and Sammy Guevara gets in there and they just start going at it. And like, um, you know, Wardlow getting like bombed through like a wooden pallet or whatever. Like it, so many good aspects to the match that you know it, I can't not choose it as as my favorite. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't even bring up the whole Santana and Ortiz, uh, FTR have the spot in the the bar, and Clubbing. Conan shows up as the DJ. <laughs> I that was mean, pretty. That was pretty cool. That was, that was a fun little spot there. I, I mean, mean, speaking of people showing up, we didn't, you didn't even mention the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, Leo Rush was the Joker. Yes. Uh, I mean, Leo Rush is a nice surprise, but he's not something I'm going to get, like, all worked up about, if you know what I, I mean. was I was really excited about that. I, I thought he had a real shot to win, but I guess, you know, he's got to, you know, wait a little bit before he gets anything. You know, I I guess he's kind of in the Matt Seidel category a little bit for now, but hopefully mm-hmm. he's still young and spry. He'll get out of there. Yeah. But I, I think we would be remiss. Uh, I mean, just top finishing up here on the stadium stampede match, Sammy Guevara picks up the win for the inner circle to keep the inner circle intact. If they had lost, they would have had to have been forced to disband. And I think it's very interesting that they kept the inner circle together here. What do you what do you think on the, the match outcome here? This was a shocker to me. Really? You were shocked by this outcome? I personally was. I thought the inner circle had run its course. I thought Chris Jericho was this was like the the writing was on the wall. He's gonna take some time off, go on tour with his band, Fozzie, 
the inner circle is done. Everyone else in the group is going to kind of do their own thing. Santana Ortiz just be a tag team and Guevara and Hager will just go on their own and Jericho would take time off. But uh, it looks like that is not the case. And I'm, I'm mm. actually happy about that. Yeah, I mean, how can you not be happy about it? I mean, it's in a circle. Every time they're together, they make, you know, some of the most must-see moments in the show, whether it be on the mic or in the ring. So having that group stick together is obviously going to be good for uh, good for views and good for ratings, but no, obviously just, more, you know, even more so fun to watch. Um, was... I wasn't like – oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. You go. I wasn't like surprised, surprised. Like I was, you know, I, I didn't – well, I wouldn't have, I don't think I wouldn't have been surprised either way. Like I could have seen it going either way, I guess was what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I agree that it definitely could have been a good time to break them up, uh, keep building up MJF as a, you know, kind of a dominant figure in the company and probably the future star of the company. Um, and at the same time, I can't disagree and can't say that I hated the decision to keep them together either because of everything I just said. So. I don't know. I, I, that's why I was kind of excited about this match and I enjoyed it because it was like one that I could see going either way. Couldn't really have told you who was going to win. I probably would have leaned more so in the pinnacle's favor, but nonetheless, um, that's what I love. I, I love the unpredictability. Uh, yeah. So I really enjoy this one. And I, I, I agree with you on that, that it's unpredictability when, when wrestling is unpredictable, you don't know what's going to happen as who's going to win at the end. That's when pro wrestling is at its best. And there were a couple of moments yes, there. Sir. The inner, for me, the standing stampede match, but also the casino battle royal, as we touched on earlier. I thought Christian Cage was going to be the winner there, and I was genuinely surprised to see Jungle Boy. But he got the the job done. He's getting the world title match. And let's face it, Christian Cage, as a former world champion, a first ballot Hall of Famer, whenever he decides to hang the boots up. He's he can throw his hat name in the hat for a world championship match pretty much whenever they want to, but you you, you can't be doing that with a guy like Jungle Boy who you're still building up uh, as a young as a young talent up and coming. Yeah, stud. I'm I I gotta be honest. I didn't love the decision for Jungle Boy um, to win this. And, and look, it, it's similar to the Roman Reigns situation. I like I don't see Kenny losing the title anytime soon. So you're just kind of throwing him in there to get beat. Yeah, and that's true. I, I, it's, a, it's a guy, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe me wanting to see all these, like, these guys like Jungle Boy and Cesaro get their moment and their, their time to shine and, like, win, like, a championship or something. Maybe that's exactly what they want from me. And then, like, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess this the feeling that I get is exactly what they want. But um, I guess it's just tough for me to tr- be realistic at the same time and realize that, like, you know, when he gets his title match, he's not going to win this match. Yeah, I, Sure, it'll probably be a great match. He's probably going to look great. But, like, you know, I, I, it's just a little conflicting is all. But, um that's true. But let me let me pose this question to you. If Christian Cage wins the match, do you feel any differently about Omega Cage? So the thing with that is, while I may think the match quality might be a little worse, but I kind of trust AW to use everybody to the best of their abilities. So I, I wouldn't be like overly concerned. I think the thing is, I don't have a problem with Christian Cage losing, and it makes Kenny Omega look 
even better that he's beating like a, somebody with such a, a great, you know, history, you know, status in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if, if I had to choose who I would rather see cage in Omega or jungle boy in Omega, I mean, I probably would have picked cage just for now. Uh, mm-hmm. If it were somebody that I could realistically see losing and there was a, like, Oh my God, is he going to win? Then I probably would say jungle boy, but it's just for me right now, um, it's just one of those things where I don't see this guy losing. So, um, at this point I'd rather just, you know, make Kenny Omega look even better, just absolutely dominate. Cause I mean, that's just what he's been doing and that's what he's probably going to be doing, whether he cheats to, you know, get himself over as a heel or not. Yeah. You know, I, I can't, I can't blame you there. I can't really disagree with you a heck of a lot there. I I'm still, I think Jungle Boy is the right call because I think he needed the Battle Royale win more to establish himself as a credible uh, world championship threat or to get a title match. I think he needed that Casino Battle Royale win more so than Cage. Um, but there's there's one uh, there's one match we haven't talked about yet that I think was up there for match of the night. And that would be the World Tag Team title match the young bucks defending against Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Uh, yep. What, before we even get into that, what are your thoughts on John Moxley's new theme song coming out to a wild thing? Um, yeah, I honestly, and, and I, I didn't even realize at first that it was like his, his like new theme. And I, I think this was like weeks ago and I just heard it come on and I just kind of figured it was like, some different theme that he was going with because he was like teaming with Eddie Kingston. Like I honestly was like, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if I've ever heard Eddie Kingston's theme song, or I don't think I can remember it off the top of my head. So I just kind of figured this was Eddie Kingston's theme song. So I don't really think anything of it. So you telling me right now that that is like his brand new theme song, kind of breaking news a little bit, but, uh, (laughs) I don't hate it. It, it. It's just, it does feel a little weird. Uh, it doesn't feel his vibe much at all, except for the fact that it's weird. And so is Moxley, but I, you expect something a little more violent considering Moxley bleeds like profusely in every match that he wrestles. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. I like the song. Uh, it just doesn't feel like a very Moxley type of song. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you that. Uh, I mean, I think it's a, it was at first I was like, Oh, okay. What was wrong with his last theme song? But it's, it, I'm warming up to it a little bit. Um, it does fit him like pretty much perfectly. I'm not going to lie, but um, it's definitely an interesting choice nonetheless, but this match speaking about the match itself, I thought this was a great match all around. The bucks were just prime heel bucks in this one just trolling throughout the match and doing some of their best heel work and you had eddie kingston who was selling that knee injury throughout the course of the match moxley needed like 15 finishers before he could be finished off that was kind of absurd at the end where they had the bucks had to hit the bte trigger like four times in a row for (laughs) for moxley to stay down um, but the, the whole match was, was great. They, they started off with an absolute brawl for like four minutes before the bell even rang. Um, and then they proceeded to have what I thought was arguably one of the matches of the night. Um, and I, I loved it, even though I knew there was no way in hell 
Kingston and Moxley were winning those titles, they at least made me invest and love that match. So shout out to those four for putting on uh, a okay. um, But not everything was great uh, on this show. There were a couple of duds, and you kind of mentioned one of them. Uh, Miro and Lance Archer for the TNT title just never really got going, never went into the second gear. Uh, well, I listen, I enjoyed the match. It just didn't, it just felt like it was over so fast. So I was like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I mean, poor Lance Archer. This, this, this dude comes out and his theme song is everybody dies. And then all he does is fucking lose every time. Like, anytime he gets a big match, and it's like, dude, when is this dude going to get like a big win in a, like a title match or like something? I don't know. I, I love these two. I, I would love to see them get booked a little more heavier. I loved the, the way they were going at it leading up to the pay-per-view. Um, so I was really disappointed that they didn't get a big bigger spotlight, to be honest. Yeah. And then the other one for me that wasn't wasn't very good was the Cody match. Cody Rhodes facing Oh my Cody. god. This one was pretty bad. Bro, I, I gotta tell you, uh I haven't been so uh, less invested in Cody Rhodes since he since he was Stardust. I think. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know what it was about him. Like, I think once he decided to do the 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 big show or the the whatever it was the go PBS, big show the, yeah. the go big show, man, he it. it it just looks like uh, that he himself and whoever is, you know, booking and writing, and maybe it's even him or whoever else has contributed to it, has just put no effort into what he's like doing on any show. Like Anthony Ago, like what is this feud between a, a guy who should just be working in a cubicle like Cutie Marshall? And his, his like, quester goons who are either cavemen or other just office-working johns at the company. Like, what what is this feud? It, it feels like, it honestly, and, and I, I'm probably right about this at the end of the day, this feels like just a way to get the name Cody on the show. That's yeah, it. so I have a couple of thoughts on this one. Like, if you're going to build a match where it's the main storyline is like nationality driven USA versus the UK, USA versus England, whatever you've got to kind of show like touches of that in the match. And, and I don't mean just by your ring gear, like there was no sense of like national pride evident in this match, like pretty much whatsoever. Like there was no like, there were, I mean, there were barely any USA chants. Like that's how uninvested the crowd was with this match was you mm-hmm. couldn't even get a damn USA chant out of them. Like this was just, and, and for Cody to beat Ogogo, who is a Olympic bronze medalist at uh, I think it's boxing. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. That sounds right. If I remember like the broadcasting talking about it, I think that's right. Um, if you're going to try and build him up to be this, this up and coming, like crossover sports athlete, you can't have a dud of a match where, and then beat him. 
I mean, Agogo got some some offense in here. He had some of those gut punches that seem to be his signature thing, where they just oversell the shit out of them. But man, uh, this if if the if they were trying to pr- push like if they were trying to prop up Anthony Agogo by putting him on the same stage as Cody, they failed. Co- Cody did not make him look very good. I'm sorry, and maybe that's an, a go-go problem, but. I think some of it has to be on Cody because uh, this match just didn't work. So something, something went wrong here. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think Cody, uh, I think he needs, and needs, needs to go back heel. I know he flip flops probably more than like anybody else uh, in the company or possibly the industry right now. But um, I don't think, I, I don't think people are invested enough in him at all. Um, so I think, they need to find a way to get him back um, getting reactions from the crowd. Now they're getting big live crowds again. Um, so I, I don't know who, who's going to go out with next. And, and, and let me ask you this. Cause I honestly don't remember. I think wasn't he feuding with uh Pentagon, uh, Penta El Cero at one point. And then did they, did they just like drop that like out of nowhere? Yeah, I feel like that was like a brief like TV storyline where it kind of they kind of just had that to Yeah, dude the dude Penta was talking shit about Cody's unborn baby and then they were going at it in the crowd. That's what I remember. And then I just like I came back like the next week or watching or, or the week after that, whatever it was, I was catching up and just saw yeah. nothing. I was like, Oh, so that's just like nothing there. And I mean you, just, you told a guy one get you made you know took a jab at a dude's unborn baby one time and you know it's like eh, I'm gonna go on with my career like okay yeah like I, I just know. thought that was strange I just feel like Cody hasn't really had a feud to sink his teeth into for a while well now. I what I will say is I, his wife is pregnant like you know what I mean like he's he's and he's probably doing lots of stuff. Behind the scenes, um, behind the scenes with you know the e, like EP stuff, so or yeah. EVP stuff. So I, I imagine that his actual wrestling product is not of highest priority. Um, but it's just a shame that you know him being or that being that way uh, results in him still getting on the show because of his name. Yeah. If you're going to have Cody in a one-on-one match on a pay-per-view, like make it worth our while, like make it worth his while. Don't just throw him on the show just because he's one of the most popular people in the company and just put him on a, with a throwaway match. If you're going to do that, put him on the buy-in, get him, get the, have him get the crowd going to start the show before they go on air. Like, don't don't waste our time on pay-per-view if you're if you're not gonna actually commit to it. You know what I mean? Yep. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I, I don't know. I ever since he dropped the TNT title to Darby Allen at full gear back in November, I just feel like he's he's been kind of lost. He's had no sense of direction for the past half year, six months. Kind of just going through the motions. Yep. And that's just not that's just not good for him. Hopefully he can he'll nope be able to find something to sink, sink his teeth into. Uh, but do you have any yeah, final sure. thoughts on uh, Double or Nothing? I know we didn't really talk a whole lot about the world title triple threat. Um, I mean, well, the thing was, it was exactly what you expected. It was, you know, Orange Cassidy was going to get his big time and, you know, you're going to get your 
oh my god is he gonna do it he's gonna do it and then they were just gonna screw him over and you know well, yeah with all the title belts and the people getting involved and you know the bastard pack was gonna be there to have some big moments it was exactly what you expected um and it wasn't bad it was a it was a great match but i mean it's exactly what you expected and other than that i mean like you said the sting match um that was also good. I, I like Scorpio and Ethan Page together. Uh, I, I do like too. Their attitude. Um, I think their attitude's great. And, uh, you know, I am excited to see where that goes. And I think that pretty much covers it. Like I said, in the very beginning when we started talking about it, uh, this is a, a great show. And I think it's a similar thing to WWE where, like, it's kind of just like a, a really good show, except in my opinion, this was just like a better show overall. But I guess what I'm trying to say is where WWE is kind of repetitively just not good, not bad. Uh, I think AEW is just like repetitively like really solid, but like nothing, uh, nothing crazy, just really solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I mean, one last note on the world title match. I mean, Pack getting driven bash in the skull by all of kenny's title belts all four of them that was in succession little bit of overkill little bit of overkill but no i loved it i love that more of that please <laughs> but if you're gonna establish the fact that he's got all these title belts i guess well hold, hold on sense. they need to do this like anytime omega is having like a squash match or something or where like he's just dominating somebody in the ring they need to take out the ref and they need to hit the guy with every single title belt. Like they need to put this into him, like into his move set or something. That oh, would be okay. comically hilarious. Now, if they start doing this on an actual basis and they make this his actual like end of match finish, I, I could get behind that. Especially if the young bucks give him their, their titles and uh oh my god they just all win titles and they combine together it's just a mass effect of titles that would be fantastic if the good brothers if the good brothers got their impact tag team titles belts back kenny would have literally eight belts to throw at people this is very true yeah uh my last note on double or nothing before we move on it was announced towards the end of the event AEW is bringing on yet another former WWE uh, talent to be to work as an analyst, as a commentator, uh, and he'll be doing so for AEW's new Friday night show starting in August. <clears throat> AEW Rampage. Rampage. See, I don't have a problem with it. I, I I have no problem with like the big show and all these older WWE legends coming in and like commentating or being like coaches and stuff yeah like sting eventually will, will like transition into something like that i'll um, be more of a coach I mean, right but it, you know the way he he ended it with injury you know let the guy go out on good terms and the same thing with christian with his injuries like it's the same thing that wwe doing for edge right like let the let them go on in their terms like big show mark henry went out on their terms i feel like um and they're they're going to be in a good role I, I love it. I have, I have absolutely no beef with AEW bringing on like guys from AEW, whether the wrestlers or like older, like kind of legend esque kind of guys. Yeah. Uh, as long as they're just used right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yep. The, that is Mark Henry, former, the current world's strongest man, former world champion from WWE, will be coming to AEW 
and working as an analyst for AEW's Friday night show Rampage. That'll be 10 o'clock Eastern time on I believe it's TBS or TNT. I forget which one. Yeah, well, there was news, I think, that came out uh, in between the last time we, we did a show Yep. that in the, I think it's 2022 or something that dynamite is going over to TBS and then rampage is going to be on like Fridays on TNT or something. Yep. Right after SmackDown, you can flip right over to TNT and get a third hour of wrestling if you so choose to, or just DVR, whatever floats your boat. But uh, yeah, that should be definitely be interesting. Uh, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to see because uh what they've got in store for rampage uh but let's mm-hmm. move on let's put a bow on uh double or nothing and let's talk about something that i think you would you would definitely want to talk about nick and that would be another round of releases from wwe and this one had a couple of big names included on it as they so tend to uh, this round of WWE releases included the likes of Braun Strowman, the former Universal Champion, Alistair Black, the former NXT Champion, Ruby Riot, Lana, Santana Garrett again, and Buddy Murphy. So first, let me get your thoughts. What did, what did you think of this round of releases? Well, listen, as I always say, uh, when every time that this happens, since it's becoming normalcy for every once in a while, the WWE to just release a bunch of names, it, it, it's a glorious thing. A lot of people like taking this opportunity to be like, oh, shucks, man, these guys are out of work. That sucks, man. I'm, I'm so sad for them. Like, hopefully they get like they're going to get work. What if if Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins can get signed by Impact Wrestling in AEW? All of these people are going to get wrestling work again. They should be praising the Lord that they are finally out of WWE stranglehold. Well, maybe not. Especially, uh, well, why? Are you kidding? She's going to go be a manager for her husband, probably. Well, yeah, manager, not wrestler. Yeah, but let's face it. That was, she was never she shouldn't have ever been wrestling in the first place. Agreed. She she just didn't have it, and the, I I think they were probably pushing that on her more than she really wanted to, and that probably at times was like, oh, like this is cool, like I'd love to get better at this, and they just didn't give her a chance to, and she probably lost interest into it. Uh, uh, again, all assumptions, but nonetheless, like I said, Lana's a sure shot to go to AW. She'll be with Miro like immediately. Like it's that I think is. A given. Um, I am so happy for Alistair Black. It is a bit weird, annoying, and just flat out stupid and disrespectful that they give Alistair Black all this, all those big nuts and build up, and he attacks Big E, and then there's like, hmm, all right, see ya, and they just give him the pink slip and tell him to kick rocks right after he was just starting a few with Big E. So I, I guess Biggie's like gonna have to turn this into like, oh, I got beat up by a ghost. I don't know, man. I, I was seeing things like, like what the hell are they thinking over there? But I guess that's something we tend to ask a lot these days with them. Um, yeah. But I'm super happy for Alistair Black because he is a fantastic talent. He's a very creative guy. He reminds me, uh, he's got the creative brain of like a Matt Hardy. 
I really think this dude can do some great work. And I pray to God it's for AEW. I obviously it's going to take some time for that to happen because, you know, 90 day bullshit. Um, but I think he's a guy who sure shot should be an AEW. Um, I don't know where else he would go. It's not like where um, Andrade, you know, um, AAA was definitely on the radar and same with New Japan. I think Alistair Black is more likely to go to AEW than probably anywhere else. I guess you could sell me on maybe New Japan, but I, I, I looked at these list of names that you read off and I didn't really see a ton of like New Japan talent. Um, I think one is. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll go. But I think if you put Buddy Murphy in a New Japan ring, he will flourish. I figured you were going to say that, and I think his wrestling style probably fits. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just up to him whether he wants to go over there, and and I, he's probably going to have to wait because I don't think anybody's going to Japan anytime soon. Yeah, uh, the way things are with COVID over there, um, you know, it's a shame things are getting so much better in the U.S., but. Um, they're still struggling in Japan. So I don't think anybody's going over there anytime soon, but luckily they got 90 days. So maybe in 90 days, it'll be better. Who knows? But um, Braun Strowman is really interesting. Um, I think he had to have had backstage heat or something. Uh, Cause like, like we talked about, I mean, he was just on WrestleMania backlash in a world heavyweight championship match. Or, so, I mean, like, I don't know what the hell they're thinking again. He had to have had some heat or something. Um, nah. He's a guy that I don't, see going anywhere else but AEW. Like, I can't envision Braun Strowman really going to, like, Ring of Honor or Impact or NWA or New Japan or, like, any other, like, promotion other than AEW. I, I, I don't know. And I feel like I feel like he either goes to AEW or he just doesn't wrestle again. Um, I don't know what his drive is for wrestling. I don't know if he's, like, you know, like, 100% into it. Um, but I don't know, man. But before I, I give you, you know, before I give you the ball and you can talk about it, um, I think the most important signing for AEW, it's not even Aleister Black. I think it's Ruby Riot because Ruby Riot can is a proven wrestler. She's great in the ring. Was just given unfortunate luck, obviously because of injuries, but she was just given really nothing from the creative and writing aside from the Riot Squad, uh, and after that, she was just. A, a, practically booked as a joke um but she it, on a roster like AEW's with their women's division it has a lot of like real scrappy young unproven uh women i feel like ruby could be a really important get uh as somebody you can really like invest into and may, i don't know i feel like maybe other people aren't as high on her as i am but um, ever since I saw her coming to NXT, I think she can do fantastic work. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm with you on Strowman. I, I have a, I think he could go anywhere that he wants. Cause I think anyone would else would have him. Um, maybe outside of new Japan. Cause he doesn't, I don't think that he works that kind of style, but uh, no, um, I, I don't really see him going to a, an impact. I, I really think that – I don't want to say he's above it, but I think he can, he can do better than that. And get, when you look at AEW and you look at the, the big man landscape, you're talking about guys like Powerhouse Hobbs, Brian Cage, uh, Wardlow, Jake Hager, all 
athletic big men who are quick on their feet yet very, very strong. And they can do some good stuff within there, I think. Yeah. A lot of potential. Braun Strowman fits that bill to a T. He'd be the biggest dude on the roster, and he would, and he still has the quickness and agility to move like better than some of the other heavyweights that they have. So I think that 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 would be a very big pickup for AEW if they were to head in that direction. Alistair Black, I'm not so sold on him going to AEW. I think he could fit in with uh, a group such as the Dark Order if he were to take up the mantle of the late great. Oh, bro, I didn't even think about that. That would be such a good role for him, dude. Uh, Yeah, I I think that could be a really good position for him. Take up that mantle. That would that would that would be perfect. A perfect way to give like bigger credibility and get Dark Order like. Back on back. serious track. Yeah. So I think that would be a good spot for him. But I'm also like not convinced that he's uh, uh, he's a shoe in for AEW. I think given his track record, he was very dominant on the indie scene over in Europe. I could very easily see him taking some time a la Drew McIntyre and just deciding, hey, I'm just going to go back, rebuild myself, and whatever the future holds is whatever the future holds. And I think it probably depends on how things are being handled over there. I, I mean, if, if COVID's being handled well over in Europe, then maybe he does. But hmm. uh, right now, it feels like, you know, America is the best place to be. They're on the, I think they're on the best trend. I, obviously, I'm no yeah. science expert, but uh, you know what I mean. I got you. And then uh, in, in terms of Ruby Riot, yeah, I think she could definitely be a top talent for the women's division in AEW. like you said if built correctly she would definitely bring a sense of credibility to that division and yeah you're right the AEW women's division it's a lot of i don't want to i don't think unproven is the the right word i think it's just they haven't they're just not household names yet they've proven themselves wherever they've gone it's just they haven't is there anybody who are you referring to uh when you say they here you what names pop into your mind well, I mean, you think about like a Nia Jack, uh, not Nia Jax, I'm sorry. Uh, Jeez. Uh, Nyla Rose is the one I'm thinking of. You, you think about a Riho. You think about, uh, you, you're thinking about Diamante and uh, her tag team partner that won the women's title, uh, the women's t- tag team tournament. You got people like Anna Jay, Ty, Ty Conti, uh, Chris Statlander. The, these are names that have been in uh, various other promotions and have been very successful, but they haven't, aside from Nyla Rose and having that world title reign, they really, the others that I rattled off really haven't done much of anything during their time of AEW. Yeah. I think maybe that's probably what uh, I was trying to convey is that they just haven't really amounted to much so far. Yeah, uh, it, it honestly feels like this women's division has just been Riho, Sheeta, Nyla Rose, and Britt Baker. And it's been like a, a with, rinse with a little, and repeat. Yeah, with a little Chris Statlander before she went down with her ACL injury. Yeah, they were they were definitely booking her up uh, and building her up before yeah. her injury. It was definitely but those other than five. that. It's just other than that, uh, the occasional one off. Like. Um, like Thunder Rosa towards, you know, recently the occasional like Ty Conti got a build up in a title match. Um, yeah. 
so you to look at who even else, but yeah, I mean, you look at those, you get a Thunder Rosa. If she were here long term, like they could absolutely shoot her to the moon. And because she's done it elsewhere, you know, she can do it on the stage of AEW, and she's already done mm-hmm. it on a dynamite match, the one you kind of mentioned with Britt Baker. And uh, there, there are plenty of others that I'm probably forgetting that we're forgetting here, but they just haven't gotten the, the chance. A red velvet. I mean, she. Oh, was, she's fantastic. She I'm, was, I'm, in, I'm in love with her, by she, the way. I just have to make that publicly known. She, she was basically a jobber on Dark for the longest mm-hmm. time. Then the whole. Then uh, it comes out that Cody's wife. Uh, Jade Cargo. Cody's wife is not Jade Cargill. No, but I, I was just referencing that's where like she got the big like uh, big spark plug from yes. with that match with Shaq and stuff. Mm-hmm. When when Brandy when she go she goes away because she's pregnant, Red Velvet gets the chance to step up and she she's now becoming into her own. And then Jade Cargill, yes, that is money waiting to be happened. She is a Greek goddess. No cap to be had there that is that is like infinite potential waiting to be tapped she is a taller stronger bianca Belair. exactly that is exactly the vibes that i get she's taller bigger stronger faster and i think that once she gets her in-ring work polished uh, that's a woman's champion that should have oh she'll be a star Yes, she is a bona fide star waiting to be happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be had with the women's division. And I think Ruby Riot could be somebody that helps uh, propel that division to a higher platform. Um, it's just whether or not they choose to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you have any final thoughts on the releases? Um, I think we covered everybody except maybe Santana Garrett. Uh I'm at like she'll get work but I, it could be anywhere from like an mlw to a ring of iron like she could probably go anywhere um yeah. this isn't she, her first rodeo with this either right she's an interesting depth piece uh like a, a promising um like there's some potential i think there i don't think she's you know too old yet i, I don't really know enough about her i guess to speak on that but um she'll end up somewhere i'm sure yeah, somebody's just got to invest in her because it seems like every time she comes back to WWE, they, they don't right. know what to do with her and it then fe- she, they dude, just it, send it, her on her way. It feels like everybody sees her and they're like, oh, you know, this could be something here. And they're like, we should get her. Like, okay, like, we got her. All right, great. Um, well, 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 we'll come back to that. And then we just never come back to that. Yeah. So I think that puts a bow on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move on to uh, talking about TakeOver. NXT TakeOver In Your House, the 2021 rendition, is coming up Sunday, June 13th. Uh, The card is starting to take shape, and I want to get your thoughts on the main event. It was just announced on NXT uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, It's going to be a fatal five-way for the first time ever for the NXT title as Karrion Cross defends the NXT championship against Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, and Johnny Gargano. Uh, I this is this this should be a home run, but I can also see where maybe this isn't isn't as great. I think I'm getting my hopes too up. I think I'm doing what you're doing, uh, what you tend to do from time to time, get your hopes too high. But if mm-hmm. this is if this were an elimination match, 
I think this would be amazing. I mean, this should this should be one of the best matches of the year. You can't just put these five guys together, guys of this caliber, and not put on a potential or not consider it a potential match of the year candidate. Mm. Um, these are five of the best and most over wrestlers around the world in all companies um, as far as their ability to get you invested with their work on the mic and their work in the ring. So uh, the expectations, look, I can't help it. All right. Things get me excited. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I, and I, I didn't know about it two days ago. I, I, I do an awful job because WWE put the bad taste in my mouth. So I forget that NXT exists all the time, but they always put on great stuff at takeover. So it's impossible not to be incredibly excited for this match. And I, you know, I, I hope my expectations are finally met by somebody. <laughs> I'm once again asking for somebody to meet my expectations. Yeah, I will say this. That is 100% true. Every time that you, you kind of get, you, you feel like, oh, this, maybe this takeover doesn't, isn't shaping up to be all that great. Or uh, I don't know about this match on this takeover card. <laughs> Almost always exceeds expectations. Um, so hopefully... Uh, this five-way will be a barn burner, a match of the year candidate, as you said, and the rest of the card will take shape in the coming days and weeks. And lastly, I do want to work in a little New Japan note uh, before we get on out of here. The former world heavyweight champion, the IWGP world heavyweight title, uh, was held by Will Ospreay. And he had to vacate it uh, within the past week due to neck and lower back injuries. Uh, I believe he's expected to be out for months, uh, plural. Oh, Don't shit. know when. Uh, I judging, no idea. judging from the tweet he put out recently, he is quote unquote hoping to be back before the end of the year. Uh, well, that's so, not a very optimistic outlook. Yeah. So understandable why they took the title off of him, why he was forced to vacate it. Um, but it has led to a, a one-on-one -on -one match at uh, one of new Japan's staple events, dominion uh, coming up this Monday, uh, June 7th. Uh, it's going to be Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada for the vacant IWGP world heavyweight title. Uh, so let me ask you this. Is this the right match? Is the, are these the two correct people who should be fighting for the title? And if not, who should be competing for it? So, the, I mean, this is the interesting thing with New Japan's structure, right? Um, Okada always finds himself involved in world title pictures. Um, so I'm not surprised that a vacant world title match is going to have a minute. Um, they have so much good talent there. Uh, be, just because of the style, they have so many guys that just wrestle so well in that style. Um, I think Shingo is like a star waiting to happen, and maybe he's already begun that process. Maybe he hasn't yet, but that that guy's nails in the ring. Um, so I I have no problem with this match. I think they're going to put on a fantastic match, and I honestly hope he wins. You know what I mean? Um, I, I will say. But, before um, 
before I, I go further, there's definitely a crowd of people on Twitter that are so happy that Will Ospreay is on the shelf. Uh, a lot of people were really upset when he won that title, um, which is unfortunate. But um, Shingo, Shingo is really good. And I think anybody who watches the product, the product would be able to tell you that he's definitely deserving of this match or this opportunity. Um, the, the thing that I think NJPW struggles with the most is that uh, I think a lot of wrestling companies struggle with a sense of uh, repetition in different ways. And I think New Japan's repetition issue is Kazuchika Okada. And then to an extent, also Tetsuya Naito. Um, those guys just constantly are in title matches uh, over and over and over and over. And they're the champion like all the time. They're not just any um, title matches. They're always circling about the world title. Right. So it just feels like there's not a lot of turnover or change. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it, it's, it's like somebody who doesn't like changing, like, like doing the same things over and over. Like they're very schedule oriented. They don't like, you know, doing different things and they just, they see one thing, then they think it's good and they like it. So they keep doing it and they keep doing it and then they do it again. And, and then they do it again and again and again and again. And it's, yeah, you can't you can't sit there and say, oh, you know what? I'm sick of this. This sucks. But like, it doesn't suck. It's just the same thing again, you know. So yeah. I, I think that's what they struggle with. So seeing Shingo kind of take that next step up, kind of like something we wanted to see from Kota Ibushi. And he did get that chance shortly. What's the deal with him? What, what is he up to lately? So after dropping the world title to Will Ospreay, he entered a rivalry with Jeff Cobb, who is one of Will Ospreay's stablemates. So they okay. will be facing each other one-on-one -on -one at Dominion. That's nice. I'm happy Jeff Cobb is over there and getting a prominent match, like yes. a singles match too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, I was really sad when he debuted in AEW for one night and then just said, <laughs> eh, I don't really feel like it. I'm going back to Ring of Honor in Japan. That, that, so that was, was weird. <laughs> that was really weird. It's probably, one of the, probably, the, probably something people forget about the most that has happened in AEW since it's, uh, since it's the show's debut is the fact that Jeff Cobb came in as uh, like an enforcer for, I think it was... The Inner Circle. Was it the Inner Circle? Yeah. They hired him as a mercenary to take out uh, Moxley. I, I mean, te technically, technically, they they hired they hired him as a mercenary. A one time, one day <laughs> yeah, mercenary. Literally, he did his job, and they were like, "Thank you very much." Here's the door. <laughs> so I mean, technically, they did exactly what they said they were going to do. Nobody lied. It, we yep. didn't. We didn't get scammed. Well, but we got we scammed regardless. in the sense that we thought he was going to be there for more than one night, but that's on yeah. us for assuming. Right. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Jeff Cobb, um, I'm excited to hear that. What is, uh, what's his face? Uh, the switchblade Jay White up to, I feel like this is you just lecturing me on what's going on in New Japan, but like, whoop. well, I know that back at wrestling Dontaku, which was about a month ago, uh, from when we recorded or when we are recording, uh, he won the never open weight championship to become a grand slam champion in new japan 
Ah, okay. So he, I believe he beat Hiroshi Tanahashi for that belt. And I believe that he will probably be running it back with him. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure. There hasn't been a ton announced for the Dominion card. The only other match, beside from the, the first two that we've uh, mentioned, is there's a junior heavyweight title defense between El Desperado and Yo. Mm. Um, okay. Well, to, so I guess to, to completely put this um, to bed, um, I, I worry about the, the likelihood of Okada winning again um, just to I'm, kind of hold it for somebody else, which, like, I get it, but I don't want it, you know? Yeah. I don't want it either. I'm, I'm, I'm all set. Keep Okada out of the title picture entirely for some time. It, it's too soon. They always bring him back into the world title mix far too soon. They can never keep him away from the title belt for long enough to where when he re-enters the title picture, it feels fresh. And, and, if, and it feels like... It feels forced. It, yeah, it, it does. So you know what would be fresh? Shingo Takagi. Takagi becoming IWGP world heavyweight champion and beating Kazuchika Okada to be, to become that champion. That Hell would yeah. be something you might not see coming. That would be something that would be fresh and get people talking and it would be well-deserved at the same time. I mean, this man stole the damn show at the best of the super juniors. Uh, he was very competitive in the uh, G1 climax um last year i forget where he finished uh but i regardless uh, you put him in any spot he'll make the most of it and i Come on, what, eugene what better way uh, to sort of put eyes on the product than to have a brand new world champion and a first time world champion in your company at that so exactly. i i, I think i think shingo's the move especially because it's very, it's very rare that New Japan has somebody that's not the leader of a faction uh, that's in a faction win mm. the world title. It's always the leader. Okada, Naito, uh, whoever's the leader of Bullet Club at the time, whether it's Jay White, Kenny mm. Omega, uh, AJ Styles, uh, and even Evil. When Evil flipped from LIJ, he became the face of Bullet Club while Jay White was away, and he became world champion. That seemed to be a failed experiment. It, yeah, it was, it was tough. But it's very rare that you see somebody that is not the current face of their stable, that's in a stable, win the world title in New Japan. So this would be another... Why does it make me feel any better? <laughs> yeah, but they could buck the trend here, and I hope that's the case. Um, me too. But what I want to wrap up on is what I wish they would have done, which is unrealistic, but I wish they would have just held on for a couple months without a world title champion and saved it for the G1 and made the G1 for the IWGP world heavyweight title. That would have been incredible. But the problem is the G1's not going to be until the fall again because the Olympics got postponed to this year. So for the second straight year, the G1 climax, I believe, is going to take place in the fall rather than the summer. So ah okay, uh, I, I mean there there's chance that the Olympics doesn't even happen, but that I mean, too. who knows? But they didn't happen last year, and the G one still happened in the fall. So right, 
I, I expect that to be the case again, although I'm not 100% certain when the dates are for the G1. But it, it makes sense. They didn't want to wait three, four months, with, go three or four months without a world champion. They need that. They can't, they can't be having that. So I understand it. And uh, last but not least, uh, we were talking about this before we came, uh, we started recording. Uh, there were some rumors between WWE and New Japan that WWE wanted to enter a partnership agreement with New Japan, making WWE the exclusive American partner for New Japan. And uh, that's certainly got a lot of people talking. And uh, so, Nick, why don't you give us your quick thoughts on what you were saying before we came on air? Yeah, um, so it took the realization that, I mean, Nick Khan is the higher up over in, in WWE and, you know, we had the discussion of are, are they related? I had, I totally forgot that Nick Khan was even over there or really who he is. Uh, obviously Tony Khan cut the promo against him. That was pretty cool. Um, the, the one thing that stood out to me is just uh, with all this going down between these three, these three, uh, it's like Companies. a three headed dragon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you got the three top companies pretty much in the world. Um, and I think the, the exact metaphor I gave is just like, it's two people, two lovers or two, two people fighting over one lover or something like that. Um, I think um, I, I really hope it's a work. I, and, and judging by the fact that he cut a promo live on the air makes me think it is. Cause I feel like if it, it was if, like there was actual beef, that they probably wouldn't have taken to the air. But then again, who knows? Um, but I, I'm hoping it's a work because that would be really cool if uh, they had all three of these companies working together because it's something you've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, you go all the way back to like uh, WCW versus WWF and stuff. Um, those were like the two, they're only, the only two companies ever. And then once like TNA came about, <clears throat> it was them and, and uh, WWE. And obviously New Japan was around, but like New Japan wasn't like interacting with anybody. And it hasn't even been until like recent that you've gotten, you know, obviously AW coming up in the ranks and with them interacting with Impact Wrestling and New Japan obviously had been working with Ring of Honor, but now New Japan sent some guys to AW and Impact is just you're seeing so much more integration between wrestling promotions now. And I think it's so good for the industry. So it would be really cool, I think, and fans would really dig it. And I, it would just help everybody, I think, mm-hmm. um, if all these companies started working together more. So that's why I'm hoping this is a work and they're all this the beginning of a big, big time angle um, between like promotions. Um, something to be excited about. I wouldn't expect anything exactly to happen, like, you know, like um, snap of your fingers, but definitely something to look out for in the foreseeable future. Um, I think there's a lot of, there's, there's so much they can do with this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just hoping the right people are involved. I think the, the, these WWE new Japan rumors centered around the possibility of Daniel Bryan going over to new Japan to work some dates. Now that he's out of the picture of SmackDown uh, forever, or at least until WWE decides to reverse their, their writing. Uh, And then, uh, and whether or not do Japan would send some of their talent over to WWE to work some shows. So that would have been a cool interaction, but they're already interacting in new Japan with AEW. So it is a curious kind of triangle, like you were saying, 
Um, and you mentioned airing the the Tony Khan sort of promo airing live. I think that was just a Twitter post. Uh, that it was a Twitter exclusive that they posted to their Twitter account, but they also tagged WWE directly in it, which I found to be very interesting. Mm. So that kind Agreed. of that kind of speaks to something where you're like, mm, is there something going on here that we're just not seeing right off the bat? Like, is there is there something going on behind the scenes that we're just not totally? Well, I hope so. I sure, I sure hope so, man. Yeah. But uh, that'll be something to definitely keep our eyes on going down the road. So I think we're just about done here with this Ryan's Wrestling recap. Do you have any final thoughts across the board for pro wrestling before we sign off here? Uh, nope. The only thing that's popped into my head is that um, I just remember that AJ Styles works for WWE because I have not thought about AJ Styles in forever. And that's how much they don't utilize him enough. And it makes me upset because he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Hmm. All right. So f- that's going to do it. And for Nick, I am Brian and we will see you next time. You think you know me. <laughs> <laughs>